sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Tuesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens, and what a Tuesday we have in store for you. It's a special day around the world of sports. All 32 NFL teams, by the time today is through, will have reported to training camp. The offseason Gives way to camp season with the preseason on the horizon. And it's a special day for yours truly. In certain areas of the country, I am known as Big Ten Ben. Big Ten Media Days kicks off today in Indianapolis as well. We'll have a full-blown Big Ten breakdown. Some of my favorite win totals across the conference later on in hour number one when Kevin Walsh joins the show as well. We'll get to all of that. But it was a special day yesterday in Major League Baseball for the underdogs dogs were barking all across the mlb slate on a monday including in philadelphia where the phils were booked as nearly a plus 160 money line underdog at home against the atlanta braves because max freed the strong lefty for atlanta was on the bump for the road team yesterday but it was the phillies coming back late for a 6-4 victory over atlanta shout out bryson stock a three-run homer in the home half of the eighth inning is the decider. A game-winning three-run bomb. Just the seventh homer of the year for Bryson Stott. A guy, a young guy for the Phils, only batting 196 this year. But they get to Max Freed. He goes six innings strong. Three earned, though, on nine hits, giving up or striking out eight as well. But it's that three-run jack from Bryson Stott in the home half of the eighth inning that is the game-winning bomb for the Philadelphia Phillies. So cashing that money line underdog ticket, again, closing around plus 160 as the home dogs yesterday. And if you know the trends, it was a really good bet to back Philadelphia yesterday because the Phillies this year have been sensational when booked as an underdog 34 times overall this season. Philadelphia is 18 and 16 straight up, 18 and 16 straight up on that money line price when booked as an underdog, one of just three teams across all the bigs with a 50% win percentage or better when booked as an underdog. And a big game for Philadelphia, not just in the National League East, but they're really not going to contend for that divisional crown. That's between New York and Atlanta right now. The Phil's just a half game back of that final wild card spot currently occupied by the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll look at those wild card odds through the National League pennant prices in just a moment. But here's where Atlanta stands. The reigning World Series champion and certainly looks like they can be a contender once again this year. The Atlanta Braves now 58 and 40 straight up this season. Two games back of the New York Mets as the Mets get rolling in a Subway Series today at home against the New York Yankees. So let's look at the National League pennant odds and paint that picture of the wild card race in the National League. Atlanta holds a six and a half game lead over that final wild card spot. So a six and a half game advantage for that top wild card spot. They seem solidified in a playoff position if they cannot come back and overtake the Mets 
for that National League East divisional crown. And as you see there, very, very good odds for Atlanta, plus 410 to win the National League pennant right now, the third best price only behind the Dodgers and the Mets. We'll get back to those numbers in just a second. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the opening hour of the morning after, live on a Tuesday all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. So at the All-Star break for Major League Baseball, we had updated make playoff odds. We knew where the team stood in the eyes of the odds makers. Those are now off the board once again. So we have to come up with our own creative ways of painting that playoff picture. We look at the National League pennant odds and this exact order of the wild card standings at the moment with their correlated prices to contend for a National League pennant. So the Braves, six and a half in front, holding on to that top wild card spot. They have a four game advantage over the San Diego Padres, who have a two and a half game lead over the Cardinals for that final spot in the wild card race. And it all goes in order based on the standings and that corresponding price to win the National League pennant. San Diego, 13 to 1. St. Louis, 17 to 1. Philadelphia, 20 to 1. Again, the Phils with the win yesterday over Atlanta, now only a half game behind St. Louis for that final wild card spot, the third and final wild card spot in the NL and the San Francisco Giants. Two and a half games back of that final spot in the National League wild card race. They are 25 to 1, are the Giants to win the National League pennant at this moment. So we showed you the American League wild card race yesterday, how all of those teams from the AL East stack up at the moment. That's what the National League wild card race looks like. Again, Atlanta firmly in. The Braves at the All Star break didn't even have make playoff odds because the FanDuel Sportsbook thought, why they're going to be a playoff team either as that top wild card spot or maybe they come back to overtake the Mets in the National League East the Padres were minus 340 the St. Louis Cardinals were minus 152 and even the Phillies were in minus money minus 120 to make the postseason in the National League so here's what we have in store for you on a tangy Tuesday about to get underway on the morning after okay dubs Kevin Walsh joins the show up next. We'll continue to recap Major League Baseball from yesterday. Again, the dogs barking all across the majors, and we set up a Subway series between the Yanks and the Mets today. Tons of NBA conversation in a Big Ten breakdown to round out this opening hour. Come back and join us on the morning after a Tuesday on TMA is just getting started. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You want the tang? You want the fervor? We got that here on a Tuesday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid. I'm Ben Stevens. The reason it is tangy is because Kevin Walsh has entered the building. Okay, Dubs joins us now on the morning after on Sports Grid for the rest of this opening hour. We will get to so much. A Major League Baseball recap and a slight preview here in this segment. Next segment, of course, the NBA world abuzz. Is Kevin Durant on his way to Boston? To become a Celtic, we will discuss coming up in just a little bit. And, of course, Kevin Walsh puts on his college football cap as Big Ten Media Days 
begins today in Indianapolis. A Big Ten breakdown in store. Kevin, if you can't tell, I am very excited. I hope you are the same. Oh, absolutely so. I mean, listen, I get the text yesterday. Hey, it was Big Ten Media Day. Like, I wasn't sat there with a corn husker pullover on, rooting it on. Oh, at the end of the day, I'm excited to get in the mix about the Big Ten. It's always a good time because I know how excited you are for it. KD, maybe on the move. Jalen Brown, definitely upset. And we're getting close to the MLB's trade deadline. And that's what we'll look at right here. By the way, a quick side note. I played in a charity dodgeball event yesterday. Did not win a single game, but I see this big guy walking around at the cocktail hour. And I look at him and I say, hey, are you Nick Gates? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, I'm Ben. I used to work in Omaha covering the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nick Gates was their outstanding left tackle, drafted by the New York Giants. Might still play in the NFL. I have to check that but anyway a cool nebraska moment for me as big 10 football is very much on the horizon all right let's dive into major league baseball a big day yesterday kev for all of the dogs around the league including the worst team in all of the bigs the washington nationals on the mm-hmm. road in los angeles taking on the dodgers with their perfect man the cat man tony gonsolin entered his start yesterday a perfect 11 and 0 and the dodgers kev were booked as a $3 favorite. The Nationals laughed that off, and they went outright 4-1 to in L.A. What gives? Well, I think the interesting thing is you can easily just say, ah, 162, it happens. Or you can include the All-Star game as evidence that Tony Gonsolin is struggling because his last three appearances, <laughs> if you include that All-Star game, suggest Tony Gonsolin is struggling. In total... We have seen him now out there for 12 innings. He has allowed 12 earned runs and four total Mm -hmm. homers. That's not good. It's really, really not. And the reason why I think it's the most relevant, it is not, ah, Tony Gonsolin flashing the pan, he can't be good. But he's going to pitch one more time, most likely, before the deadline. At the end of the day, though, it's the Dodgers. As aggressive as it gets, this is the kind of team who will see this from Gonsolin and say, Yeah, you know what, Louis Castillo, Frankie Montas, you're ours because they have the guys to come over the top, any potential bidding war, and win out and bring in potentially whoever the best pitcher on the market would be. I think it is a great point. And maybe we don't overreact, but the Dodgers' success this year in that starting rotation has been Tony Gonsolin and guys like Tyler Anderson really carrying the weight while Kershaw was down for a while. And uh, Walker Buehler remains on that injured list as well. So when he's now 11-1, but he's given up nine earned in his last two starts, and you could include the All-Star game in there if you want, that fourth inning pitch got the loss in the All-Star game, giving up back-to-back home runs to Giancarlo Stanton and Byron Buxton, the only three runs the American League scored Mm -hmm. all game long. So maybe we don't overreact, but yes, something to keep an eye on if you expect that negative regression for guys that have been really good for the Dodgers this year. But, of course, a part of the Washington Nationals, still 33-65 and straight up this year. The worst record in Major League Baseball is, for the moment, Kev, Juan Soto. As we look at Soto's stats throughout the 2022 campaign, Kevin, in the last couple of weeks, I've asked you to play odds maker on this very program a couple of times. If you had to say, what team is the betting favorite for Juan Soto to end the year on right now, who is that betting favorite across Major League Baseball in your mind? It looks like it's the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think it's because the 
idea we're getting out of Washington is it's not just wow us with prospects that nobody other than fans of those specific baseball teams have heard of. We want some guys with some big league reps. And the Cardinals have an abundance of those guys. Gorman, Donovan, Carlson, O'Neal, Bader. There's a couple of guys that they can offer along with the seventh overall prospect in all of Major League Baseball, a shortstop that they can try and get this deal done with Washington, who doesn't seem super interested in being absolutely horrific as a result of this deal. They maybe want some level of certainty back in this trade package there, and it seems like St. Louis has the most to offer in that respect. The MLB trade deadline is exactly one week from today, Tuesday, August 2nd. We will see how much momentum builds up if Juan Soto is in fact dealt before the deadline, if they do not wait until winter meetings when maybe a couple more Major League Baseball organizations can get into the fold. Because right now, it's truly the teams trying to make a playoff push, trying to be contenders. The Cardinals are 17-1 to in the National League pennant odds right now. Notice that price and take a screenshot of all of these prices. A slight bit of movement, Kev, here at the top of the World Series board. The Dodgers and the Yankees now tied as co-favorites once again at plus 330, $1.20 ahead of the Houston Astros at plus 450. One week until that trade deadline, Kevin. How do you expect these odds to move over the next seven days? Wow, so I think if Soto lands on either the Yankees or the Dodgers, they create separation from one another. I agree, in fact, with them being at the same price, if not maybe an argument for the Dodgers to go into their own line for the reason that right now baseball has a Tier 1 comprised of three teams, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Astros. The Dodgers don't have to play those teams unless it gets to the World Series. The Yankees and Astros with having to go through one another is a huge boost for L.A. We know that the potential Soto deal will slash, you know, can shake things up whenever this is ultimately decided there. If he goes to the Mets, right, I think they then enter Tier 1 odds. That would be Mm -hmm. my expectation. If he lands with the San Diego Padres, I think they say they can jump the Toronto Blue Jays, but I don't think you're looking at a team that's 8-1 to all of a sudden to win the World Series. I do think you could see that St. Louis number potentially been halved. 20 to 1, maybe that's a little extreme, but I think there will be a lot of bets that come in amongst the movement. So there will be a 12 hour, maybe overreaction period, if you will, and then yep. things will settle about a week post deadline. Yeah, if Juan Soto is traded to any of those contenders, that market will certainly move and move in a large way. It's a great point by Kevin, not only to follow the reports that we hear from MLB insiders like our guy, Burt Murray, who was on the show yesterday, said, keep an eye on those Padres or maybe sneaky the Mariners get in the fold, but also follow where the odds start to move over the next week as well, ahead of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Kevin brought up the Astros. They've been great against the Yankees this year, five of seven in the regular season, but yesterday falling as nearly a $2 favorite on the road against the second worst team in MLB. That would be the Oakland Athletics, but Oakland, despite being 36 and 63 straight up, an underdog in 88 of 99 games has won four of their last five and actually beat the Strohs in three of their last four against their divisional foes. Quickly here, Kevin. A Subway Series gets underway today in Queens at City Field between the Mets and the Yanks. 
the Amazons booked as a home dog. Does that price intrigue you with Taiwan Walker on the bump? Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's fair to be interested by it. Obviously, not a lot of travel for the Yanks. The number that did catch my attention, actually, I think it could be an under. Uh, Montgomery and the Yankee staff has been solid here. Tyler Walker, a little yeah. under-discussed. That ERA is a 2 He's been phenomenal at City Field in six outings this year, uh, about a one five zero right now at home. I, I think you can be looking at a lower-scoring baseball game. Atmosphere is going to be there. Playoff atmosphere today at City Field. For sure. A Subway Series with two at City Field and then two at Yankee Stadium later in September. All right, NBA discussion. It's going to get tangy here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around Marcus Smart and a lot of picks, but they probably said, ah, can you give us Robert Williams as well? I mean, the Nets are going wild with the asking price. But could they settle on Brown, Smart, and some number of picks? If that's enough for Brooklyn... I think that can work for Boston. The other box they check is obviously Kevin Durant's preference of team. He likes to be eliminated by a team. They go to the NBA Finals, and then he joins them, and then he tries to take all the credit. It doesn't really work. It doesn't actually do all that much for his legacy, and he sometimes would be better off staying where he is. A ah, little tongue-in-cheek this morning on KD. But I really do think Boston, from the fact that they got Brooklyn to counter, even at a high level, they seem to be live in this to me. Very live, in fact. So, Kev, there's other NBA insiders, including friend of the program, Jake Fisher, from Bleacher Report, ah. that have shared out additional reporting surrounding all of this Brooklyn and Boston trade conversation around Kevin Durant. That really, this is not new stuff. It's old conversations that were serious, but more at the beginning of July when that juice was really on it. So it was shared out here recently and reported here within the last 48 hours, but maybe leaked by one side now allow me to play conspiracy theorist here for just a second could it be brooklyn with nobody really be able to match their asking price for kevin durant leaking this report that there were conversations with boston centered around a trade package around jalen brown to say hey this is what we're looking to get you need to up your anti celtics and other nba teams around the league once again and maybe if at least the, dra- the trade doesn't go through, we can piss off the Eastern Conference frontrunners in the Boston Celtics mm. and one of their best players, who arguably was their best player throughout the NBA Finals and maybe most of the postseason in Jalen Brown, who tweeted out SMH, shaking my head yesterday. Yeah, certainly not happy, Jalen Brown, because he definitely was the best player uh, for them in the finals. It certainly wasn't Jason Tatum. If it was, they actually would have won the NBA championship, and we probably... Wouldn't be having this conversation. Yes, I definitely think it's live that it was a net sleek. First of all, I mean, look, let's just call it what it is. Woj gets his stories from Sean Marks. I mean, I think he calls him personally. They might even FaceTime. They appear to be that close. So we know that that's where that comes from. Now, Shams comes over the top and obviously adds a, a whole other layer to the report yeah. that gives us the indicator of the deal. And yes, that might mean that Brooklyn is trying to push Boston. But again, is that a bad thing for Boston? That means they really like your offer. See, Phoenix apparently just doesn't have enough. See, we've gone over that. If the Suns haven't already offered up their absolute best yep. to Brooklyn, I don't know what they're doing because we know that Kevin Durant wants out and wants to come to your basketball team. I don't think it's working. 
I think Miami's in a complicated spot because Bam Adebayo is a requirement in this deal, but Durant really wants to play with Bam, and it means you have to move Ben Simmons as a part of the deal. So I'm not sure if Miami's really been able to figure this out with Brooklyn. We know Toronto hasn't offered their best because Toronto seemingly is able to look around and be like, yeah, nobody else is kind of giving you what you want. Here's OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and Chris Boucher. And is that enough? It's not. It never, it never will be. But now I definitely think Brooklyn's saying, okay, we've probably lit a fire under Boston and Toronto because those are two teams that never want to let the others succeed. They've built themselves a little rivalry over the Eastern Conference playoffs there. I definitely think it's fair, Ben, to call it a Brooklyn League. And let's add this context here. Jalen Brown averaged 23 points per game and seven boards per game throughout the entire NBA postseason run for the Boston Celtics, almost automatically at times, going over a points prop that remained at 23 and a half. It was my favorite bet throughout this NBA playoffs. And Kev, this is not the first time playing as a member of the Boston Celtics that Jalen Brown has been floated as a big trade piece for the Seas. So when he tweets out yesterday... SMH and now rightfully seems angered by the Celtics front office and Brad Stevens once again how important would you say it is that Boston tries to get this deal done to acquire Kevin Durant because they don't really want to bring back an unhappy Jalen Brown once again yeah this is a group that's had locker room problems before well documented at that so I don't even think a Celtics fan could try and pretend that's not the case and here's the other thing look this is a group that wants to contend forever. <laughs> Kevin Durant is under contract for twice the amount of the time that, that Jalen Brown is. He's got this coming season and the following. And Jalen Brown saying, you know what, I'm good, cannot possibly be eliminated no matter what he tells the Celtics because a lot of people have told the Celtics a lot of things. Where's Kyrie Irving? What did Kyrie tell them? So that is one of those things that... Yes, I think Brooklyn should look to move to move along. But let me just add this quickly, Ben. There is a, yeah. an early reaction from people. Hold on a minute. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Picks. There's no way Boston can do this. Why? They would be a better basketball team because they'd be bringing in Kevin Durant. I mean, am I, am I crazy, Ben? Am I like? Did I? I know. Like, listen. I mean, I mean, listen. I slander and KD. That's right up my alley. But what's going on here? Yeah. I listen. That was going to be my next question. You almost took the words right out of my mouth right there. Kevin Durant is still a top five player in today's current NBA. You could make an argument he's a top 10 scorer in the history of the sport and the National Basketball Association. But I think why is an interesting question because you see that number that we just flashed on the Boston Celtics, the favorites to win an NBA championship. It's plus 450 now. There were 50 cents of movement in favor of the Seas following all of this reporting yesterday, but they were still booked as the favorites before any of this Kevin Durant conversation even happened at a 5-1 to one price. So, Kevin, I think that might be the question. Boston was on the brink of winning an NBA championship last year. Two wins away in that finals against the Golden State Warriors. Already won the Eastern Conference a season ago. Booked as the favorites to do that again and to win an NBA championship and hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy. So why, outside of the fact that everybody has some interest in Kevin Durant? Yeah, the thing but for Boston is because this can get you over the top. So here's the thing with the Celtics, right? They did lose to Golden State. Like, at the end of the day, I know Grant Williams says they were the better basketball team. They lost the series, right? 
this is a team that went to seven with Miami. Did, did they look dominant to people going seven with Miami? Not to me. And a lot of people, Celtics fans included, think they would have been eliminated by Milwaukee if Chris Middleton didn't get injured. So, yes, they've made some positive moves, Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari, but this isn't a team that's running away with a title. But then we, if we use through the odds perspective, which I know you so often love to do, so they're 5-1 to one before yesterday's report. They're down to plus 450. They're trading for Kevin Durant. 3-1? Yeah. to one, Plus 250? 2-1? Yeah. There's going to be a gap between the Celtics and the next closest team. And again, I know it's, ah, are we going to do two for one? I'll just give you a little perspective here. Win shares. Bear with me, all right? It's a number that you accumulate over the season because people give you win shares per 48. The more games you play, the better you are off. Last year, Kevin Durant, 55 games. Top 10 in win shares, 8.4. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart combined 130 basketball games. Just above seven win shares. Kevin Durant is better than the two of them combined. That's not a slight to them. He's Kevin Durant. I think it's great context. So the question why, Kev's right. We've had 50 cents of movement in favor of Boston, and it's only conversations if Kevin Durant is traded to the Seas and he ships up to Boston. That number is 3-1, to one, maybe even plus 250, a clear front runner to win the NBA championship. Quickly here, Kev, movement against the Nets after this mm-hmm. news yesterday, 12 to 1 in the title market, now 15 to 1, 6 to 1 in the Eastern Conference, now 7 to 1 where it stands for Brooklyn. So if this trade for Kevin Durant is done, knowing what all that would mean for Brooklyn, and as Kyrie Irving says, he now feels pretty confident with or without KD, he wants to stay as a member of the Nets. Where does this leave Brooklyn? Okay, so I largely think that what Kyrie is doing is cleaning up his image. He says, I want to stay, I want to stay. Kevin Durant leaves, Brooklyn trades him. How is it Kyrie's fault? Even though people will try and present it that way, it is not Kyrie's fault. So I largely don't believe he is staying if Kevin Durant leaves. Unless a guy he's got a very good relationship walks through that door. And that's Jalen Brown. And that can change things a little bit. And that might be why Brooklyn's motivated to get this done. Because they don't want to tank. Just to sell you, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton. That team's making the playoffs. Absolutely so. That's probably a top four team in the Eastern Conference. All right, now the time has arrived. A Big Ten preview. College football up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The bookends of a Big Ten football season begins today. Tuesday, July 26th, 2022, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it ends on the first Saturday in December, December 4th, 2022, in Indianapolis, Indiana, inside Lucas Oil Stadium with a Big Ten championship game. But what begins today is Big Ten Media Days, the unofficial kickoff to a new Big Ten football season. Talking season has been going all around the country throughout conference media days and the Big Ten starts today. I am Big Ten, Ben. That is old K-Dubs, Kevin Walsh. Welcome back to the morning after. You can consider this a thorough Big Ten preview for the 2022 college football season. So, Kev, let's begin big picture here. It should be no surprise. It should be no shocker to see Ohio State as the favorites to win the Big Ten Conference once again. They did not 
a season ago, going down against Michigan for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, but yet they are booked as a minus 200 favorite to win the Big Ten Conference Championship. Minus 200, Kevin, is the strongest odds to win any conference across the entire country, power or group of five. That is what is expected for Ohio State in 2022 and a run through the Big Ten Conference. And again, this is the thing is they were big favorites last year. And what was the big talking point around that group? Ah, we've never seen C.J. Stroud play football. Now we have, and he nearly won the Heisman Trophy. And the last time he was out there, the best wide receiver game maybe college football's ever seen, Jackson, Jackson yep. Smith and Jigba, is back. So it's understandable that Ohio State is viewed in that way. I also think it's one of those things because of how much home field advantage can matter in college football. If I flip the location of the Michigan game, this very well could be one of those things that is goes down to minus 170 or so. Give Michigan their credit. College football playoff last year, all of that. But to go from never beating Ohio State to routinely doing it and doing it in their building is something I have to hesitate on. I am someone last year, Ben, who played over 11 wins on the Buckeyes. My thought was the yep. worst-case scenario is I would push. The reason I ultimately lost that bet was not, though, just a loss to Michigan, but a home loss to an out-of-conference, highly-ranked team. They're going to have to avoid that once again, the Buckeyes. Put that smile away. Put that smile away. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But I think this is an Ohio State group that is deservingly big-time favorites. The expectations are warranted. And Kevin, of course, is referring to that season opener in Columbus at the shoe between huh. Ohio State mm. and Notre Dame. The debut of the Marcus Freeman era against his former team in Ohio State. He played defensively for the Buckeyes. And right now, Ohio State booked as a 14-and-a-half-point home. Favorite the line working past two touchdowns in favor of the Bucks. And to put in context everything that is expected out of Ohio State this year, as the odds would indicate, here's the season outlook for Ohio State. A win total that just two weeks ago was at 10-and-a-half, and the over had over $2 of juice. Now it's at 11 once again, like it was last year, over minus 130. Again, if you're betting the over on an 11 Team win total for Ohio State, that means they are going perfect 12 and 0 in the regular season. Not only are they a minus 200 favorite to win the Big Ten outright, they are minus 300 in the Big Ten East Division. And at plus 300, Ohio State has the second best odds to win a national championship. And to echo Kevin's point, you saw Michigan with the second best price at plus 800 to win the Big Ten Conference in 2022. The game. That game between the Wolverines and the Buckeyes is in Columbus this year. Ohio State will at least be a touchdown favorite. I expect negative reg regression for Michigan this upcoming season. So, Kev, let's look at the Big Ten East. And here's something that everybody needs to know from a handicapping and trend perspective based on recent history around the Big Ten Conference. Again, Ohio State is a minus 300 favorite to win this division in the Big Ten East. They did not a season ago. But since the Big Ten went to the East and West division, starting in the 2014 college football campaign, eight years now, Ohio State has won the East 
five of those eight years. Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan a season ago. The other three winners, but the Big Ten East, Kev, has won the Big Ten championship since we split into these divisions, the East and the West, in the eight times we have seen the Big Ten championship game in its current iteration. So if you're looking for a pick to win the Big Ten conference outright, if it's not Ohio State, history would tell you it needs to be another team from the East. And probably because if it's not Ohio State, it's a team that beat Ohio State, which means you're the well best said. team in the conference, right? It, it, that's almost the way it entirely lines up. But that becomes very interesting then, Ben. I'll, I'll kind of flip it back your direction. If I'm going to look to bet the Big Ten as a whole and not just the Big Ten East, and I want to go yep. outside of Ohio State, my initial thought usually is, let me see if I can get someone from the West. I'll try and yep. meet Ohio State in the game. And then I've got a hedge opportunity. Maybe I feel good about my ticket. Do you think I'd be better off just betting a Big Ten East team that's not Ohio State if I'm looking to fade the Buckeyes then? That's a great, great question, Kev. Because when you think about value, although Ohio State is dominant and has the odds to back up their dominance within the conference, is value in the East, the team that upsets Ohio State, although it's unlikely, or the team coming out of the West Division, that it doesn't matter even if they play Ohio State in a crossover game in the regular season, if they take care of business against their divisional foes in the weaker West, that has been anarchy at times, you have that value, a money line hedging opportunity for that Big Ten title game in early December in Indianapolis. And as we look at the Big Ten West odds, Kev, that's where I still believe the value is because the path is clearer to upset Ohio State in the regular season in that one game scenario you need that to happen and you need a pretty good regular season outside of that to get to the Big Ten championship game you might be able to pull the one-off upset over Ohio State good luck in doing so you're probably at least a two touchdown underdog and then you need to take care of business across the board if you take a team from the West they have a path to meet Ohio State or anybody out of the East where you have the value in that ticket already. So whether it's Wisconsin, the betting favorites to win the West Division at plus 170, could it be Nebraska's time at 3-1? to one? Iowa, the reigning Big Ten West Divisional champs at plus 450 or a sneaky team that a lot of people have optimism, Kev, in Purdue and Minnesota, both at 6-1. to one. That's where I'd say the better bet is from a value perspective mm. to give you that opportunity to reach that point most likely against Ohio State in early December in that Big Ten title game. Now, the interesting thing is, I guess if people are going to look down that board, that means that they're not all too impressed with what Wisconsin is offering up at the plus 170. But what's mm -hmm. one of the most exciting things about this college football season as a whole, and you're seeing it here even during this Big Ten conversation, the returning quarterbacks right the fact that you can yep. say all right I've seen that guy before I trust that guy well that's partly true in Wisconsin I've seen Graham Mertz before but that might be the problem I know they're trying to throw up some optimism around Graham Mertz last year 10 touchdowns 11 picks and some people are again I cut back on turnovers I, I like it's hard for me to get there on a quarterback like a Graham Mertz the other thing, though, that might just be something that I have to settle with, though, is they don't really care in Wisconsin because it's more Brandon Allen's show, right? Is It's going to be about running the football, running the football, yep. 
and running the football. But man, would that Wisconsin team, Ben, jump way more off the table if it was a quarterback that had some legitimate juice. Unfortunately, I at least don't feel like they have that in Graham Mertz. And here's where the odds stack up for Wisconsin this upcoming year. And of course, that focus will be on the big uglies up front and that outstanding sophomore running back, Braylon Allen, for the Badgers as well. That win total at nine is a game and a half ahead of everybody else in the West Division. So although they're a plus 170 favorite, that's only a dollar and 30 cents ahead of Nebraska and nearly $3 ahead of Iowa, the win total and what is expected is certainly up there for the Badgers, a number they have not gone over since the 2019 campaign when they won 10 games in the regular season. But to get to 10 wins once again, two to one. And in the conference overall, that's plus 1,200. So if you like Wisconsin to win the West, take that bet and take the price on the Badgers at 12 to one because, again, that is your money line hedging value for a potential matchup in a Big Ten championship game, most likely as the odds would indicate against Ohio State, the Buckeyes minus 300 to win the Big Ten East Division. But Kev, that does not mean that the Big Ten West is going to go chalk and Wisconsin easily takes this divisional crown. We have not had a repeat champion in the West since 2017, which means that it probably doesn't stack up all that well for Iowa, who won the, uh, the division a season ago. Northwestern has won the division two of the last four years, and they have the longest odds entering 2022. But Kev, as you'll see here on this graphic, momentarily we have four teams within the big 10 west four out of the mm -hmm. seven that have a seven and a half win total yes the juice to the over or the under varies which slightly skews these numbers but four teams with a seven and a half win total overall so who of these teams wins the most games and maybe provides that challenge to wisconsin at the top or maybe even claims the divisional crown in the west the one thing I always love, though, with the college football win totals, because you're operating it with lesser numbers, is the juice can kind of lead you a lot. Seven and a halfs aren't yep. always created equal, right? The Purdue number, minus 165 to the under. You see the Minnesota number there, minus 130. And I think when I look at just the early kind of Minnesota schedule here, what stands out to me, at least, is the home road. Getting to host Iowa and Purdue, who are on that list. Now, yes, they have to travel to Nebraska, and certainly there is a road Wisconsin game there as well. But when you look at the teams within, at least being able to have two of those teams at home, it almost feels like, Ben, when we look back on that group right there, that 7.5, the head-to-head -head record amongst the four of them is really where the separation will be created. Absolutely so. It is a great point because last year we saw a team beat a team who lost to a team who lost to another, and that <laughs> created all the interesting tiebreaker scenarios that we had in the Big Ten West. A couple of points. Why the optimism on Nebraska, a team that was 3-9 and nine straight up a season ago, a team in the Huskers that has combined for 11 wins in total in the last three years? Well, they were 3-9 and nine a season ago, but 4-1 and one against the spread as a dog, and all nine of those losses by single digits. Iowa, the most returning production in the Big Ten West, over seven and a half a season ago with 10 wins, also 10 wins in 2019. Reliability out of Kirk Ferentz in Iowa City. Minnesota, top 10 defense, both scoring and total defense a season ago. The most running production in all of the country last year outside of the service academies who run the triple option. I love the over on Iowa. I love the over on Minnesota. 
And I also love the over on two of these Big Ten East teams. And that number, Kev, on Penn State has gone up. It was at seven and a half earlier this offseason, now eight. And that juice continues to stack up on the over. Look out for Penn State. A bounce back year is coming as I expect it in 2022. Michigan State continue to overlook Mel Tucker and the Spartans. The schedule is one of the easier, if you can say that, out of the Big Ten West to go over seven and a half even money. I think this Spartans team can get to eight wins. They won 11 in total a season ago. We could talk Big Ten football for years. I mean that. We round out hour one, though, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one of the morning after live on this Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Spiz Grizz Network. Kevin Walsh has been alongside for most of this opening hour of TMA. We get his thoughts to round out our number one on your thoughts on the Kevin Durant trade saga. Are the Boston Celtics truly that front runner to land KD for the upcoming NBA season? Let's find out in Fade the Public. So, Kevin, that was virtually the question. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, do you think the Boston Celtics will actually trade for Kevin Durant? Simple answers, yes or no. Nearly 80% of the public, Kev, right now at SportsGrid TV on Twitter saying no, that the Celtics, yeah, there might be some rumors floating around and who leaked this story, and yeah, Jalen Brown might be upset at the moment, but the Celtics aren't actually going to go through with this trade to get Kevin Durant. Kev, are you fading the public? Uh, look, I, I... Ooh, you saw the hesitation there? Yeah. Honestly, I think he let... Oh, God, I just hesitated twice. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I actually think they will. I actually think the Celtics ah. get it done. It might just... It's, now, I could... Now, listen, I'll flip-flop on this. Don't you worry about it. But <laughs> my, my... The reason why is because we heard the counter from Brooklyn of Brown, Smart, maybe another guy, and picks. Let's remove the other guy. Let's chop down a pick or two. If that's really enough for Brooklyn, it's one of the the scenarios where I think the Celtics remain title favorites. These Phoenix packages aren't enough. Miami has to trade Bam. There's a lack of willingness to do it. Toronto feels very uncertain as to what they are post-Kevin Durant trade. Boston, to me, feels like they should know because the answer is the title favorites. And that's the idea. The Celtics are already the title favorites, and they have the resources, it would seem, to put together a trade package that entices the Brooklyn Nets enough. Okay, Dubs, we thank you for everything, as always. Our number two of the morning after is up next. 